Hello, spooky friends. It's your hostess, Blair Bathory, back again to share chills, thrills, and nightmares with you. Now is a good time to turn off all the lights, curl up in a ball, and prepare to be scared. That's my personal guarantee to you. So many of us have four-legged furry friends that we consider members of our family. Pets are there to greet, love, and console us. There's a reason they are called man's best friend. No matter how domesticated they are, they are still animals. And four-legged creatures, particularly ones in the wild, have their own agendas. They may be possessed by spirits or will kill you if the circumstance is right. You must always be careful to never turn your back on an animal because you never know if they will turn on you. First, haunting of the black cat, followed by the future brings death, then destiny preordained. Finally, in our featured story, the contaminated bloodline. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcast or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So, want to hear something scary? Beasts of the Wild. They say cats have nine lives and they will use them to seek revenge like in this abridged version of The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe. From my infancy, I was especially fond of animals and was indulged by my parents with a great variety of pets. I married early and was happy to find my wife a disposition not uncongenial with my own. We had birds, goldfish, rabbits, a small monkey, and a cat. This latter was a remarkably beautiful animal entirely black. My wife made frequent allusions to the ancient popular notion which regarded all black cats as witches in disguise. Pluto, this was my cat's name, was my favorite pet and playmate. It was even with difficulty that I could prevent him from following me through the streets. Our friendship lasted, in this manner, for several years. 
during which my general temperament and character experienced a radical alteration for the worse. I grew more moody, more irritable. I used intemperate language towards my wife. I even offered her personal violence, but my disease grew upon me, for what disease is like alcohol? One night, returning home, much intoxicated, I fancied that cat avoided my presence. I seized him. When in his fright at my violence, he inflicted a slight wound upon my hand with his teeth. The fury of a demon instantly possessed me. I took my penknife, opened it, grasped the poor beast by the throat, and deliberately cut one of its eyes from the socket. In cool blood, I slipped a noose about its neck and hung it to a limb of a tree. With tears streaming from my eyes, and with the bitterest remorse at my heart, because I knew that in so doing, I was committing a sin. On the night of the day on which this cruel deed was done, I was aroused from sleep by the cry of fire. The house was ablaze. My wife and myself made our escape. My entire worldly wealth was swallowed up, and I resigned myself henceforward to despair. On the day after the fire, I visited the ruins. The walls, with one exception, had fallen in. I approached and saw the figure of a gigantic cat. The impression was given with an accuracy truly marvelous. There was a rope about the animal's neck. When I first beheld the apparition, for I could scarcely regard it as less, my wonder and my terror were extreme. For months I could not rid myself of the phantasm of the cat. One night, as I sat half stupefied in a den more than infamy, my attention was suddenly drawn to some black object. I approached it and touched it with my hand. It was a black cat, fully as large as Pluto. Upon my touching him, he purred loudly and appeared delighted. When I appeared to go home, the animal evinced a disposition to accompany me. When it reached the house, it became immediately a great favorite with my wife. I soon found a dislike to it arising within me. By slow degrees, these feelings of disgust and annoyance rose into the bitterness of hatred. I avoided the creature. Alas, neither by day nor by night knew I the blessing of rest any more. During the former, the creature left me no moment alone. My uncomplaining wife was the most usual and the most patient of sufferers. One day, she accompanied me into the cellar. The cat followed me down the steep stairs and, nearly throwing me headlong, exasperated me to madness. Uplifting an axe, I aimed a blow at the animal, but this blow was arrested by the hand of my wife. Goaded by the interference into a rage more than demoniacal, I withdrew my arm from her grasp and buried the axe into her brain. She fell dead upon the spot without a groan. This hideous murder accomplished, I thought of cutting the corpse into fragments and destroying them by fire. Finally, I determined to wall it up in the cellar. I prepared a plaster and very carefully went over the new brickwork. When I had finished, the wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed. My next step, was to look for the beast which had been the cause of so much wretchedness to put it to death. But it appeared that the crafty animal had been alarmed at the violence and forbore to present itself in my present mood. The second and the third day passed and still my tormentor came not. 
the monster in terror had fled the premises forever, my happiness was supreme. Upon the fourth day of the assassination, a party of the police came, very unexpectedly, into the house and proceeded again to make rigorous investigation of the premises. The police were thoroughly satisfied and prepared to depart. The glee at my heart was too strong to be restrained. I burned to say it, if not but one word. Gentlemen, I said at last, I may say an excellently well-constructed house, these walls. I rapped heavily with a cane which I had held in my hand upon that very portion of the brick work behind which stood the corpse of my wife of my bosom. But no sooner had the reverberation of my blows sunk into silence than I was answered by a voice from within the tomb, by a cry, at first muffled and broken, like the sobbing of a child, and then quickly swelling into one long, loud and continuous scream. Swooning, I staggered to the opposite wall. For one instant, the party upon the stairs remained motionless, through extremity of terror and of awe. In the next, a dozen arms were toiling at the wall. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with gore, stood erect before the eyes of the spectators. Upon its head, with red extended mouth and solitary eye of fire, sat the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. I had walled the monster up within the tomb. Have you ever been so irrationally angry you've done something you regret later? Did your actions come back to haunt you? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. No matter how much you try to plan, you can never plan for death. Like in this story, written by Janine Pipe. Jada gripped the steering wheel tighter. She hated driving in the dark and usually did everything within her power to avoid it. Unfortunately, she had no choice this time, having to rush home due to a family emergency and now drive back over 100 miles as there was no way to miss work in the morning. Her mother had begged her to stay the night. The thought of her nervous daughter driving so far when they were all fraught with worry already only added to her anxiety. But Jada hadn't told her she was already on a final warning and couldn't afford to even be late. She blasted the fan, hoping the cool air on her face would keep her eyes open and turned up the volume on the radio. It was some sort of rock music, and she nodded her head along to the beat, occasionally sipping coffee from her travel cup. 
The sun was already close to setting and she still had at least one hour's drive left. It had been years since she'd traveled these roads in the dark and only then as a passenger. The twists and turns and hairpin bends difficult enough to maneuver in the daytime, let alone when it was almost dark. She recalled being spooked by the stories too, but this was no time to scare herself with silly childhood ghosts. She needed her wits about her and to focus on the Jada slammed on the brake, grateful to have been driving slowly and with the great care due to the narrow and twisty roads. She should have been used to deer and wildlife running out into the road, having grown up in the countryside, yet she was still blindsided when the buck leapt out of the bushes and bounded across in front of her as if it hadn't a care in the world. The creature didn't even look back as it headed back into the forest and on the other side, while Jada caught her breath trying to convince herself that her heart couldn't beat out of her chest no matter how hard it was thumping. She supposed she was lucky. Not only did she miss the animal, but there was no one else behind her. Otherwise, she could have been rear-ended too. She pulled herself together and continued on her journey, cursing the minor setback since the sun was setting lower in the sky and visibility was rapidly deteriorating. She flicked on the headlights to help, the dread of driving in the dark now inevitable. Please, no more deer, she prayed, hoping all the nocturnal wildlife would keep on the fields and forests until she got home. She sat bolt upright in her seat, staring intently out the windshield for around 10 minutes when she first became aware of movement on the driver's side of the car. She refused to turn her head, wanting to keep her eyes on the road ahead. Whatever was out there seemed to be keeping pace with the car. She started to feel a slight tinge of fear. What on earth could it be? Surely not another deer. They could be speedy, but were timid and would be scared of the vehicle. She slowed down again and took a deep breath before looking out the window. It was dark enough by now that she could barely make it out and perhaps were it not for the eyes, might not have seen it at all. At first, Jada thought it must be a trick of the light the dying embers of the sun somehow reflecting onto the face of whatever the huge creature was running alongside her, because there was no way it could actually be that large, that fast, and have those glowing bright red eyes. She whimpered and sped up as much as she dared, and somehow the beast kept pace with the car. Changing tactics, she slammed on the brakes for the second time that journey. Somehow managing to steady her breathing, she willed herself to take a proper look out of the window. What the heck? It was gone. She sighed heavily and turned back to the steering wheel when, <gasps> right in front of the car, its eyes glowing in the reflected headlights, was a giant black dog. Jada screamed, but instead of attacking, the beast just stared at her for a moment and then slowly headed to the side of the road. When she dared to look again, it seemed to have vanished. Her fear of the dark suddenly seemed secondary to the very real possibility of an animal attack and Jada put her foot on the accelerator and arrived home in record time. She was about to open the door when she was overcome by an excruciating pain in her chest. Death was almost instantaneous from cardiac arrest. Jada hadn't known she had an extremely rare heart condition. No one had, except Black Shuck. He had foreseen her death, which was why he appeared to her, a harbinger of death, a warning that the Reaper was on their way. The giant, ghostly dog has been roaming the country roads of East Anglia, England, for centuries now. Just pray you never see him. 
Have you ever tried so hard to get what you wanted, but the universe had other plans? Did the supernatural or undead ever intervene? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarled.com. Just because there's no danger to you doesn't mean that there's no danger for those that you love most. Like in this story, written by Janine Pipe. Gerard ran through the woods calling to his daughter. Gigi, answer me, sweetheart. He didn't know how she'd end up on the side of the woods near his running route. She promised she'd stay on the basketball courts with her friends. Maybe something had happened and she'd come looking for him. That seemed odd since it was raining and she would have more shelter back at the playground. Of course, he couldn't actually see her. He could only hear that cry that he'd recognize anywhere. He'd soothe boo-boos, bathe skin knees, and given cuddles after arguments with friends enough times to recognize it. His heart skipped a beat as he realized he'd followed the sound all the way to the lake. Gigi was a weak swimmer. Gigi! He called, and then suddenly the cry hit a crescendo, yet there was no sign of his teen. Gerard startled in surprise, looking down to see a mangy-looking dog of some description gazing up at him, still emanating the pitiful noise that sounded exactly like Gigi. The pathetic-looking creature sidled up to him and rubbed its grubby-looking head against his leg, thin tail thumping. Gigi's mom had always said animals knew he was a soft touch, which is why strays would befriend him, sensing he wouldn't harm them. He gave the odd-looking dog a pat on the head and was not surprised when it began to follow him at a trot as he jogged back towards the basketball courts. He was thrilled to see his daughter still shooting hoops and not struggling in the lake. He shook his head, feeling pretty silly, and the stray began to wag his tail. Just then, Gigi ran over and began patting the dog, who immediately rolled over for a tummy rub. And that was how Gerard and Gigi ended up taking the dog, now named Lago, home with them. Over the next few weeks, Lago and Gigi became fast friends. She was a sensible and well-behaved teen, about to start high school in the fall, and she relished taking care of the dog who now slept on her bed and devoured her leftovers. He also thoroughly enjoyed walks, and they often ended up in the woods close to the lake where Gerard had found him. That afternoon, it was pouring with rain again, and he gave Gigi the option of staying home while he went for a run but the teen and dog insisted on going with him. He let them go for their usual romp through the trees whilst he ran his circuit of the woods. About halfway through, he heard the scream. This time he was certain it was Gigi. He cursed not staying closer to them as he frantically retraced his steps and froze when he saw his daughter face down in the lake. Lago, nowhere to be seen. She must have hit her head as the water around her was red. He raced to her, wading in to drag her out, but then he turned her over. He screamed himself. Her eyes and teeth were missing, two vacant bloody orbs looking back at him and her mouth a broken mess. He didn't have time to process though. He needed to get her out of the water and start CPR. He desperately tried to pick her up or pull her to shore, but something was stopping him. She must have snagged a limb on some pond weed, he thought, as he struggled with her body. And suddenly, Lago appeared. Only now, instead of man's best friend, the creature revealed its true intentions. Instead of trying to save Gigi, 
Vlago had a firm hold of her using the extra monkey-like paw on the end of its tail to clamp down and drag her further into the lake. Gerard felt his body involuntarily freeze and he could only watch as the skies drew darker and his daughter's soul was reaped by the rain gods. He wept while praying. As the sky brightened, he carefully collected her lifeless body. The official death would be recorded as drowning. The missing eyes, teeth, and fingernails would be left out of the reports. He knew how it worked. The Alwizolt felt nothing as it watched. Its sole purpose was to reclaim the bodies of those the gods had chosen. Sometimes it lured them directly into the water, or as in this case, used trickery. It slowly waded back deep under the water, where it would remain dormant until needed, ready to imitate the sound of a child crying in order to attract its intended prey, those preordained to belong to the gods of rain. Have you ever loved someone that ended up backstabbing you? When you look back, could you see their true colors? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of hard work gone terribly wrong. You can also see the animated version over at youtube.com snarled. Natalia held her crossbow tightly as she walked through the woods that surrounded her small town. The werewolf she was tracking had been terrorizing the town for decades, leaving a trail of bodies in its wake. She was well-respected around the community and took pride in her role in law enforcement. She was the first to show up at any site of trouble. It was dangerous, but hunting monsters had been passed down her family line for generations. It was never something people took willingly, but Natalia honored her family legacy and gave her all to every hunt. Her ancestors had attempted to find it during every full moon, but somehow always failed. Natalia knew with every unsuccessful hunt, more townspeople would be killed. She was filled with guilt, thinking of little Journey Hightower, whose body had been found in her backyard the night that Journey would be camping out there. The werewolf had fled into the woods after it had brutally murdered Journey and her dad. Natalia had ordered the rest of the family to wait for the cops as she followed the beast into the night. She slattered mud all over her body to mask her human scent and then follow the tracks of the part wolf monster. The trees were dense, but Natalia refused to back down. She was sick of this werewolf and its endless trail of carnage. No matter what, she vowed it would end that night. Despite the full moon, there was little illumination. She peered through the trees with her flashlight on high. Snap! She spun and leveled her crossbow but it was just an innocent bunny. Natalia stalked the creature for hours until she finally found what she was looking for, a small wooden cabin in an overgrown clearing. It was fit for habitation, but Natalia knew this had to be the werewolf's resting ground. The door was destroyed, so she was able to enter the cabin with ease. She tiptoed around on high alert, aiming the crossbow. It was too quiet. Suddenly, Natalia heard a low growl from behind her. She spun around, but it was too late. A talon claw penetrated down her back and she yelled in pain. 
The leather strap that held a silver crossbow with bolts had snapped and the bolts had scattered uselessly across the floor. Natalia frantically fired the crossbow, hoping for a hit, but her aim was off. She had wasted her chance. The werewolf saw the window of opportunity and swung again at Natalia, drying blood. Natalia screamed in pain. Before she could get into a defensive position, she took a hard kick to the chest, smashing into a closet mirror and sending shards flying like reflective knives. One landed near her hand and she grabbed the sharp piece of the mirror, blood oozing instantly as it sliced her palm. Silver-backed mirror? She whispered, looking at the weapon without hesitation. Natalia leapt up with a warrior's scream and rammed the mirror shard through the werewolf's head. The monster howled, making sounds of anguish and rage as dark blood sprayed from the gash on its forehead. Natalia fell backwards, watching in shock as a werewolf twitched and foamed at the mouth before falling backwards, its eyes widening and growing dark as its soul fled. Natalia took a deep breath before staggering to her feet. Finally, the monster that had invaded her bloodline for generations was dead. And now her loved ones and the whole town could rest easy. She returned home slowly, her entire body throbbing from head to toe. She was so exhausted, she barely noticed her slight limp caused by the bite on her ankle. In a final act of defiance and irony, the werewolf had passed on its curse to the one who was born to kill them. And when the hunter became the hunted, there was no telling how long the town would survive, if at all. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.